Hey, you guys, I want to let you know about Book of the Month, an exciting service that helps readers discover great new books while also promoting the work of emerging authors. Every month, the editorial team at Book of the Month reads through hundreds of new titles. They do the curating for you. They narrow it down to five to seven of the best new books on the market, and you get to choose your Book of the Month. To sign up, just visit bookofthemonth.com. And for a limited time, you can get your first book for just $9.99 by using the offer code CHIRP, C-H-I-R-P. I should add that Book of the Month recently launched curated audiobooks in addition to hardcovers, so members have options. You can choose one or the other, either the hardcover edition or the audiobook. And if you pick the audiobook, you can download it and listen to it right there in the Book of the Month app. My latest pick is a novel called Anita DeMonte Laughs Last by Sochil Gonzalez. It tells the story of a forgotten art star of the 1980s who died tragically and whose life and work and memory are later unearthed by an art history student. This is right up my alley. I can't wait to read it. So if you want to sign up for Book of the Month, remember, go to bookofthemonth.com and for a limited time, Get your first book for just $9.99 by using the code CHIRP, C-H-I-R-P. One more time, that's bookofthemonth.com. Use the code CHIRP and get reading. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, everybody. What is going on? Welcome to the show. This is the Other People Podcast. I'm Brad Listy. I'm in Los Angeles. It's good to be with you. Appreciate you tuning in wherever you are. Hope you're doing okay. Happy holidays. It's Friday, so it's time for a brand new flashback episode where I dig into the Other People archives and share an outtake from the past. Don't forget to subscribe to this show wherever you listen. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Follow the program on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. So today I'm going to be sharing an outtake from episode 400, my conversation with author Alexander Chi. It first aired on February 16th, 2016. Alexander Chi is the author of the novels The Queen of the Night and Edinburgh, as well as the essay collection How to Write an Autobiographical Novel. He is an associate professor of English and creative writing at Dartmouth College. He is a contributing editor at The New Republic and editor-at-large at the Virginia Quarterly Review and a critic-at-large for The Los Angeles Times. 
an outtake from episode 400, my conversation with Alexander Chi is coming up in just a couple of minutes. So a quick reminder before we begin about my newsletter. I do a weekly email newsletter. If you want to subscribe, you can do that over at bradlisty.substack.com. The newsletter lives over at Substack online, and it will be delivered to your inbox once a week, free of charge. Just uh, subscribe over at Substack. The newsletter is simple. I let you know about the latest episodes of this show on a weekly basis, and I also share a list of links to things that I've been reading and finding interesting. So if that sounds good to you, go over to bradlisty.substack.com and sign up. Likewise, if you are an other people super fan, if you like this show, if you listen regularly, if you feel like you get something valuable from it, I hope you will consider joining the other people Patreon community, help keep this show going into the future, get some other people merchandise, get a book club subscription over at patreon.com slash other PPL pod. All right. So today's flashback, an outtake from episode 400, my conversation with Alexander Chi. Once again, it first aired on February 16th. 2016. A reminder that the full episode is available in the feed. So if you like this flashback and you want to hear the full hour with Alex Chi, just go search for episode 400. It is there waiting for you. Okay. This is Alexander Chi. No, I was, I was working on two other books that I was sure were the next books. Ah, okay. And, and then I sent a a piece of it off to uh, this special issue of the Hartford Current that was edited by a guy named Dave Daly, who's now at Salon. Oh, right, yeah. And you know, at the time, he was an up and coming editor, and he was doing a fiction issue of the Hartford Current, a supplement. And he said, "Do you have anything in a drawer? You know, like fifteen hundred words?" And I thought about it and I thought, Oh, I got stuff in drawers. <laughs> I've got so much stuff in drawers. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I went in and took a look and, you know, I had, I had had this idea for the novel back in 1999 and then I put it aside in probably 2002, 2001. I was angry at it because I thought of it as a spoiler. You know, I had, I had Edinburgh, my first novel, on submission, and publishers were asking what the second novel would be, so I had supplied a two-paragraph synopsis for something that I had been kind of thinking about whimsically called The Queen of the Night, and that... You had the title that early. Oh, yeah. I had the title right away. Okay. And actually, I, I usually do. Um, I I don't know why. It's a strange thing. It's a it's It's a focusing tool. But I think that's, I mean, some writers get that. It's, it starts with the title or it starts with the character's name or something, you know? Yeah, something, something to grab like onto. That. And I also, I often get a scene that's right near the end, but that is not the end. I can say that now, having finished two novels. <laughs> is that good to get one that's near the end, but that's not the end? I guess it's better than having nothing. I, I guess. I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's good or not. It's just kind of how my brain works. It's the sort of place that I shoot for, I guess. And then, and then I... 
and then I know the rest. Well, no, but I think it's like, I'm, I'm always amazed when I hear writers say that, you know, I, I just had a kernel. I had a character. I just started like, you know, day yeah. by day making it up as I went along without having any concept of where the end was. That always amazes me because I think you have to have at least some like loose idea of what the target is that you're headed towards, but not everybody, you know, not everybody needs that. Correct. I think that is exactly, you know, but I think so much of being a writer is trying to figure out, you know, what kind of a writer are you? Like, what's your best time of day to work? Do you need to plan out in advance or do you need to be spontaneous? Do you need uh, coffee in the morning or does coffee destroy you and turn you into an an internet addict? (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. What so. <laughs> what kind of writer are you? I am. It's funny. If I can, I like to get up at five a.m. Oh wow! And work. That's my favorite. It's sort of. It's almost like a sneak attack on the day or something. It's it's like some childish idea of escape. It's kind of a holy time, if that's the right adjective. I mean, it's great, but like pre-dawn, that quiet. Yeah, I think there's, you know, when I was a kid, I loved I loved it when no one knew where I was. That was my favorite thing. And that was a terrifying time for my mom. <laughs> I was going to say, that's my favorite thing now. My children are terrified. <laughs> and uh, and I think that's kind of what it feels. It's sort of that same feeling that I used to get as a kid. I have a little bit of that first zone of excitement, that feeling that everyone else is asleep and they're just not they don't need anything from me you know yeah so is that how most of this book was written a lot of it was written actually obsessionally i think you know one of the things that i had to learn with writing this book was how to just work like a normal person i kept wanting to be done before i was done Mm. and so it's there's a line in a new essay that i have out now called how to write an autobiographical novel and the line is something like the boy who the man who cried novel um it's sort of based on that time yeah well no i totally get that that what is that it's like this this uh nervous energy or this i just want it out of me i want it done i want to hold it i want it uh, you know what i'm saying i want it externalized and you can sort of feel yourself rushing. Is that what you were talking about? Well, I think it's also partly that I just was, there was, there was so much that I was doing. I think even, even now, I think I'm just beginning to be aware of just exactly what is in the book in a strange way. Mm. Like, which is to say now that I'm seeing all people's reactions to it and Tell me what my book's about. <laughs> kind of. I mean, it's it's sort of a it's a strange thing, you know, you're creating a country you'll never visit when you write a novel or when you write a book because you'll never have the experience of it that other people will. And so it's it's a once you're done with it, you you don't even know how to think about what's in there because You've, you've known it so well in some ways. You've known it so well that you don't know it at all anymore, which sounds like that old cliche, but I think it's really true. And you said earlier that you were angry at this book. And like, I, I right. don't know if so I... Right. So the reason why is that all the publishers thought that, that The Queen of the Night was going to be so successful 
that I should write that first. And I suppose <laughs> the novel's current success is, uh, is their revenge on me. Because uh, at the time I thought, how do you know this book is going to be any good? You don't know. I haven't written it. And I just, I thought of it as a, I thought of it as a fool's game. I, I read something recently by this poor guy who, he just published his first novel. He's been writing for years and he's had novels rejected for years. And, and then, and then he got leukemia. Um, it's, this was a piece on salon and, and he just had his first novel accepted for publication. It's coming out. And, but he almost died trying to do it. And I like, that was what I did not want. I did not want to be that guy. So I fought really hard to try to publish the one that I had already written. And, you know, I don't think that there were necessarily any mistakes in that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So wait, you had you published Edinburgh, yeah, and then you had a second book already written. No, no, no. That's the whole point, really. Was that this other book that they were so excited about was not written? I uh. just had like, I had a two paragraph synopsis. I had maybe fifteen pages, thirty pages of it. You know, I don't even really remember. When I went for it in the drawer, there were only a few sections that I could have reasonably sent off to Dave Daly at the time, and and the one that I sent is the section now that's now it's sort of near it's near the the end of the first quarter of the book I'd say it's the scene where she buries her mother and then and then leaves the farm after her family dies so okay so you finally settle down you finally come to terms at some point that this is the book you're going to sit down to write and <laughs> well so the Dave published that and yeah. when I and when I sent it off to him I I remember I was suddenly so anxious that it be liked, that he like it. After all that resentment of it as an idea for so long, that kind of surprised me. And I thought, oh, you actually really care about this idea. Like I paid attention to that feeling. And then I sent it off to my agent. I hadn't sort of told her about this, <laughs> this little episode and, uh, you know, I knew that that was a mistake that I should alert her that I had done this. So she said, you know, send it to me. So I sent it to her and, and she called me up. She didn't even write back by email. She just called me up on the phone and said, talk to me about this. So that's a good sign. Yeah, right? it is. I suppose. I mean, it's, you, you want to think that you're aloof to that kind of excitement and et cetera, but I think, you know, you're not. And oh. She liked the other ideas, but this was the one that, and she's, and she has stayed, you know, that excitement has stayed for all the years. Like she's been. And who's your agent? Jinnah. Okay. Uh, at, at Wiley. She, she doesn't really like having an internet presence, so I won't say too much more about right, her. Right, right. <laughs> People and don't, I, don't start emailing her out of the blue. And well, and also don't email me asking to get. Right. Uh, uh introduced. So, okay. So. Uh, a 15 year span of time, 
with a couple years off in between, getting up at 5 a.m. Uh, most of the time. Well, did, did you ever um, have did you ever have uh, periods where you were ready to scrap it, or you thought this? Oh, is, sure, yeah. yeah, many. I mean, I think I was I was often prepared to throw the whole thing away, and in fact, I kept throwing it away during the first years of writing it. But throwing it away in the sense that I would so I like I wrote ninety pages and then I thought eh, that's not really it, and then I wrote another ninety pages and again thought. This is wrong. And then I wrote 75 pages. And then I looked and I had, I was keeping this file that I called like the chop bag where like things that I had chopped out of the manuscript I would put in this file. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the section that I thought of as the novel, that file was 75 pages and the chop bag was like 335 pages. I thought you were going to say like 6,400. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I was like, oh, so you have like a whole novel in there that you've kind of thrown away. So I pulled it out and began looking at it. And then I realized that there was some weird way in which I had needed to write each of these different sections as if the others didn't exist. It was very strange. Um, but I, I just, I understood that the, the idea was across those identities as it were. It's, yeah. you know, writing, it makes me think of, you know, writing a novel. How often is it ever a clean process? You know, someone sits down, starts writing the beginning, finishes at the end. It's, uh, it's, I hear this over and over again, people amassing these huge files, thinking it's, you know, nothing, trashing it, picking it back up, breaking it apart, reassembling it starting over from scratch. You know what I'm saying? The, it, right. That's the way that it goes. That's, yeah, the, that's the work. That's how it works. I mean, I think there's something... Edinburgh was a little bit the same in the sense that what happened with Edinburgh, my first novel, was that I I was moving. I was leaving Iowa after graduating and I found all of these different fragments and I thought... I had a kind of a just a little prickle at the back of my head where I was like, there's some sort of weird thread that connects them. So I jokingly put them all in a binder and I said when we get to New York tell me what you are and and then when I opened it up in New York after you know unpacking my stuff I could see the connection in between all of those pieces and I guess there was some way that that fragmentation also worked with with this just in a different sort of process well it's, yeah it's I mean you talk about having to be patient you talk about um being anxious to have a book done, getting frustrated with a book, all these different things. Uh, it, sometimes time is just a, a super key ingredient. You have to be willing to sit through all that time and to let whatever is happening narratively in the book uh, get worked on by your subconscious. Like It's sort of mysterious, but like one day you can be looking at those pages, yeah. have no idea what the thread is, and then you move to New York, you open it up after some time away, and suddenly it's all there. Like What is that? I'm remembering something I used to say uh, in like 2008, where I'd say sometimes it's a ballet, sometimes it's a clog dance. <laughs> like you, just, you open, and you're like, oh my god, it's beautiful, and then you open it again, and you're like, what the? Fuck I misspelled. Did I? Yeah, yeah like, I misspelled my own name. Like, what? Um, yeah, it's, I, you know, part of it is I mean, nothing against cloggers, by the way. <laughs> They're comfortable shoes. <laughs> Utilitarian. Um, I, I guess the, you know, the. So 
patience is part of it. I didn't, I mean, I wasn't always getting up at 5 a.m. Sometimes I was staying up really late. And so, sometimes it was, I, I needed to regularize my process, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And that eventually did happen. And now I'm more uh, aware of how that works for me, you know. So, you know, I the new novel I'm working on, uh, I started, I went back to notebooks and just the commitment to write uh, for an hour and a half to an, to two hours each day, mm-hmm. no matter what, but to just always pick the same time, write by hand, write in pen, and then when the time was up to stop and go and do the other things. Because I, you know, I have a lot of projects that I'm also doing in addition to writing like most... <laughs> most Americans it's about mul- multiple revenue streams sure. as they call it which i.e. all of my gigs and so I can't just I can't uh, until I sell a new book I can't just you know work on it all day and night like I like I did for a while because I think there was a there was a lot of guilt that I felt once I was late I just felt constantly guilty about being late how late were you? <laughs> the original Sorry, the original contract said that the the manuscript was due two thousand and six. So what a eight years, what, ten years, just a no decade. biggie. <laughs> yeah. What's a decade in the grand scheme of things? So, but you know, I'll I'll, I'll say this, and you can agree or disagree. I okay. think you'll probably agree. It's better to get it right or to do the very best you can possibly do than to rush something out into the world to meet some arbitrary deadline, right? I think that's true. I think, you know, I, I I say this to my students a lot. The only thing that protects you is that you did your best and that you did it the way that you wanted to. Um, because if you, if you don't and you fail, then it's, it's like two times the failure. Right. You know, but if you, if you at least did it the way you wanted it to, the way that you, you felt was, that honoring that initial spirit or what have you, then, then if it fails, at least you can own that failure and you're like, okay, I, and you I did, screwed up. And you did every draft. Yeah. You, you, you know, every sentence you worked, every word right. you looked at, you know, you, you didn't skip any steps because I think if you have to look back on a book and feel like you rushed it or that you didn't do your due diligence, that's maybe more painful than, even the book, you know, not finding as many readers as you wished it would or not getting the review coverage or whatever, you know, it's like that feeling I think is, is worse to have. Yeah. Because it's on you, but you it really is. Yeah. But you didn't have that. You spent the time, you got the book done. Are you, I mean, I'm assuming you're satisfied with what's out there now. <laughs> yes. I found a few things that I'm going to fix, but they're very tiny, just like tiny things well and with so, with a, a, a historical fiction i would imagine that little tiny details are more likely to need fixing because there's so much research involved there's deep period detail that you have to get right it seems like there's more right. opportunity for those kinds of uh, mistakes to crop up well sure i think i should i should say because of the stakes i did have the manuscript vetted by two opera singers and and two historians who specialize in the period so that I could remove as many of the anachronisms and mistakes as possible. Smart. And the 
Are these, people, a, are these people that you knew or are these people you had to go find? Do you just have like two opera singers and two historians of the period in your, in your arsenal <laughs> of friends? I, I guess you could say I cultivated them. Okay. All right, folks, there we have it. That was today's flashback, an outtake from episode 400, my conversation with Alexander Chi. It first aired on February 16th, 2016. A reminder that the full episode, episode 400, is available in full in the feed. So if you want to hear my conversation with Alexander Chi unabridged, go search for it by name wherever you get your podcasts. It is there waiting for you. You can find Alex Chi on the internet at alexanderchi.net. You can follow him on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I think he even has a Tumblr and a Pinterest. (laughs) He's got all sorts of stuff going on. Don't forget to subscribe to The Other People Show wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Follow the program on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. You can subscribe to my weekly email newsletter over at bradlisty.substack.com. And if you want to, you can join the Other People Patreon community. Help keep this show going into the future over at patreon.com slash otherpplpod. If you have a moment and you want to help me out a little bit, please give this show a rating wherever you listen. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, wherever you listen, give the show a rating and write a little review if that's an option. It helps people find the show, helps it in the rankings, the whole thing. So rate and review, pretty please. If you want to get another people t-shirt or a sweatshirt, you can do that at otherppl.com. Last but not least, a quick plug for my latest book. It is a novel called Be Brief and Tell Them Everything, available now in trade paperback, ebook, and audiobook editions. I narrate the audiobook. It makes a great stocking stuffer. It's called Be Brief and Tell Them Everything. All right, so we're almost done with 2023. Can you believe it? Coming up on Sunday and over the course of next week, I believe what I'm going to be doing is a wrap-up of this year, the kind of best of 2023. I'm not entirely certain what it's going to look like, but I think that's what's going to happen. So stay tuned.